0: Can a coffee shop offer more than just coffee? Can it offer a wonderful place to be and a great experience and have you leave happier than when you went in? Well, that's what Big B Coffee is aspiring to do. Join me as I talk with Michelle Waits, Chief Marketing Officer at Big B Coffee, to hear about their efforts and their brand story.
1: Welcome to the Franchisee Podcast where key industry leaders provide education and inspiration. Here's your host, Dr. Kathy Gosser, the Director of the Yum Center for Global Franchise Excellence at the University of Louisville.
0: And welcome to another episode of Franchise You. With me today, I have Michelle Waits, who is the Chief Marketing Officer of Bigby Coffee. Welcome, Michelle. Thank you. It's nice to be here. Great to have you. So you are the chief marketing officer of Bigby Coffee. But before that, you've had quite a few roles in marketing with the majority of your time at Starbucks and then Illy Cafe before Bigby. So you've had a lot of coffee, even though you started in consumer goods, first with baby food, then pharmaceuticals. But most of your marketing career has been in something most of us love, and that's coffee. So, first, can you tell us about your primary responsibilities at Big B as CMO and how that might differ from other roles you've had?
1: Sure. So, as the CMO, I think my primary responsibility is to create demand for Big B Coffee within the whole franchise network. And so, kind of deconstructing that. Uh, creating demand, I think one of the most important things to do is to really strengthen and to clarify what the brand means, and to really amplify that and let people know about it. So we we take sort of a storytelling approach to that, uh, more than an academic approach, but that allows us to use all sorts of different media. Uh, whether that's paid media, uh, whether that is social media and more organic types of um, mechanisms. And then, you know, it, then that extends into other things like how do we market to our customers outside of the store through digital platforms, even email? And then what are the products uh, that we're offering to our consumers and how do we stay current with their needs and, you know, even things like menu boards and assets in the store, how do we make sure that when we present ourselves to the consumer, we, we are doing it really intentionally and in the right way? So all of those things collectively are marketing. Uh, and so as a CMO, it's my job to craft a vision, create a plan, uh, and then work together with the team to execute, measure, and then optimize that plan.
0: Wonderful. And we're going to get into that storytelling about the Big B brand in a moment because I've been fascinated with that during my research. But first, what about Big B's really drove you to leave Illy Cafe?
1: I think the one word is opportunity. I think the the first opportunity is what Big B Coffee offers to people, I think, is really relevant today. And in my mind, what that is, is a really great, simple, but uh, cheerful coffee experience. And whether that is being done through a drive-through or whether that's being done through a third party like DoorDash, or if you're coming into our stores, we always believe that people leave our stores happier <laughs> than they came in. And I think that that is such an sort of antidote uh, for a lot of the things that people are experiencing today. And bringing great beverages to people to to just make their day, I think, is um, a huge opportunity the other angle on opportunity is, of course, growth. And um, what I'm really delighted about is that Big B, I think, has found a business model that is sustainable and that works really well. And I think, honestly, this this brand is really poised to um, grow a lot over the next few years.
0: I can see that. And I have to ask you, what's your favorite Big B beverage?
1: Uh, you know, I am a, I'm a pretty simple coffee girl. Uh, mm-hmm. So I'm a cold brew fan. We have something called sweet foam that I put on top every once in a while for a little indulgence, but that is my drink of choice. Oh,
0: you are a diehard coffee drinker then for sure. (laughs) For sure. I had to ask you that one. Of course. Let's talk a little bit about the industry first. So gosh, it seems like the coffee industry is growing with more competition, more coffee shops popping up every single day. Can you tell us a little bit about the industry as a whole?
1: yeah, I think, um, you know, coffee has continued to grow over the last ten years, at least. I think where we've seen most of the growth in the past uh, has been in the premium segment of the category with coffee shops popping up that's really um helped to raise expectations or consumer expectations for what they want out of their coffee. Covid was interesting because that was a migration from the coffee shop into homes. Mm-hmm. And so we definitely saw, Um, coffee equipment and coffee from the grocery store, Uh, people's appetite for more premium coffees, you know, really rose during COVID. Um, And then sort of, you know, in the waning and post-COVID time period, now you're seeing people go back to coffee shops, but how they're consuming it is different. You know, the need for convenience, online ordering, um, working through a third-party delivery service. Having a drive-through um, and a lot of those hybrid situations, you can do a drive-through. You can sit down. You know that is really, I think, helping to to propel and almost define the industry. But macro, people are still drinking more and more coffee. The other thing is how they drink it and what they're drinking is a little different. So this is old news, but I'll just reinforce that cold beverages. Are definitely the drinks of choice for millennial and Gen Z consumers. And we're really seeing a shift toward cold beverages.
0: Oh, you are so right. I see that in the classroom for sure. They so back. you mentioned something interesting. Third-party delivery of coffee drinks. Are those predominantly the cold ones?
1: Um yes, actually. Uh yes. And I think there there might be um, a demographic part of that. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe more of the younger consumers are utilizing third-party delivery. Um, but also, there might also be a consumer notion of it's not gonna be hot when I get it. Right. Um, and so there there could be some um, some behavioral switching in that as well.
0: I can definitely see that. So let's talk a little bit more about Big B coffee. So you offer more than just coffee. Can you tell us about the brand offerings?
1: I think that's another really exciting thing about Big B is, we custom craft more than just coffee. You know, I think a lot of coffee shops, uh, when you talk about espresso based beverages, you can make it sort of any way you want it. Big B uh, last summer introduced a beverage line called Blast. Um, and this is a line of custom crafted energy drinks. And there's a sort of proprietary cocktail of um, vitamins and other plant based ingredients that add energy. But you can put that uh, with fruit flavors. You can add bobas to that. You can make it carbonated. You can really custom craft energy in a way that I think, again, a lot of young consumers really appreciate. We also offer teas, uh, high-quality hot and iced teas. Uh, We offer something called cream freezes for those folks who are looking for something that is blended, cool, and indulgent. So there really is a wide range of beverages for almost any need.
0: Oh, that sounds like the energy component is really fascinating. And then what you described last, I call that the adult milkshake when people yeah. go to <laughs> go to Big Beast for that. Yes. And Dalton, absolutely. you know, too, Michelle, I watched your brand manifesto on your website and it was truly remarkable. And there were like great shots of your coffee products. But really, the words and actions of the employees were about love, really belongingness, and being happy. And even your franchising page talks about build the life you love. Can you talk about why this cultural element is so important to Big B coffee?
1: I think part of it stems from the the coffee shop and the role that the coffee shop has played for centuries, really, mm-hmm. um as a gathering place uh, and as a place for conversation. I think that's sort of at the heart of it, but for Big Bigby uh, Coffee as a as a company, we talk almost daily about the fact that um, in America right now, a lot of people face workplace stress. Um, I think I saw a, a data point that said there are 20% more heart attacks on Monday mornings than over the weekends because people are feeling uh-huh. stressed about coming to work. Um, and we really feel like uh, we have an opportunity and an obligation to create an environment in our stores where people feel welcome. And that then extends to the people who are serving your coffee. And then that extends backward into the corporate office that is also serving those stores. So we really feel like there's an ecosystem of good that should come from our coffee shops. And we take it as seriously as the coffee that we serve. You definitely do. Even the tagline
0: that you have on one of your cups, We love our coffee. We love the people behind our coffee even more. I think that's a further expression of what you've just discussed.
1: Thank you for for noticing that. (laughs) Yes, we we are a people company that serves great coffee. Well,
0: that comes through when you see your website. So you have done that job well. But uh, let's switch gears a little bit and talk about the whole franchising piece and marketing's role with that. So, Big B, what I read is 100% franchise. And the companies you worked with before had many corporate locations and not as many franchised. So what are the unique challenges you have found in your role as a CMO in a franchised organization?
1: Oh, that's a great question because, yes, there are definitely differences. And a part of that is um, when when you work at a completely company-owned situation, everyone is sort of rowing the boat in the same direction around the brand. Um, And I think you take for granted a little bit um, that everyone is hearing the same messages. When you work in a franchise situation, you have so many advocates and ambassadors for your brand, but they're all working out in different parts of the country. And so communication and clarity um, become twice as important, I feel. I think the other thing that makes a franchise system different is... You now have different organizations doing similar things. So you, you want to avoid overlapping uh, because that's just not a great use of, of resources. But you want to make sure, that, again, there's clarity about what is the brand or what is national providing, what are, in our case, co-ops really focused on, and then what should really be focused on at the at the local level. All three of those are really important consumer touch points, but I think we just want to make sure that we're aware of what the other is doing so that one plus one equals three. That
0: makes total sense. And you're right. You don't want to duplicate efforts and you want to have a consistent message. I I can see that. So you mentioned co-ops. Are those local co-ops that you work with?
1: Um, in some cases, Mm uh, they are multi-city, so multi-market co-ops. Um, and in some cases, they're, uh, at the state level. It just, you know, depends on the size of the area. Um, as you may know, we are very strong in Michigan, which is our heritage and where we've, we've come from. So a majority of our co-ops are in the state of Michigan. Um, but that just provides our stores and our franchise owners with support, um, but you know, buying support to a certain extent, and that scale allows them better media buys and the opportunity to do things that perhaps they couldn't do, uh, you know, as a single store.
0: Right, totally makes sense. So, in your new role as CMO, what are some of the first actions you've taken?
1: I know the first actions was uh, to just lay out a marketing strategy because I think you know the people who have come before me have done an excellent job. Of building this brand and building a strong affinity um, that I think our consumers have for the brand, um, but from here I think in order to scale and to grow quickly, we want to uh, be really clear about who we are as a brand, what do we stand for, not just internally, but you know in an external-facing way. So we are going to be working on a brand positioning and a brand campaign project uh, with an outside agency that's going to help us to do that. Uh, that's one of our pillars. Um, a second pillar is really accelerating our digital footprint and our digital relationship with our consumers. Um, we already have a very strong database of um, consumers in our in our email database, but we're just striving to get even better at personalization and sending the right messages and offers to the right people. Um, so we're going to continue with that. Uh, we continue to really work on uh, our website and a digital app to meet the growing appetite uh, from consumers for for digital engagement. Um, and you know, we're also working on trying to make sure that our in-store promotions and programming have the strongest ROI and impact. Um, so those are just a um, you know a few of the areas that we're focused on.
0: That's a lot. And, you know, now with the onslaught of artificial intelligence coming into the world, I know I just saw something recently at the IFA convention where AI can be used even with your social strategy. So it's just fascinating what's to come on the horizon.
1: For sure. I think um, we we came, but there were a few of us from Bigby at the IFA, which was such a great opportunity yes. to learn and to meet people. And I think I'm, I'm going to steal this from someone else, but they said AI isn't going to take you out of your job or it's not going to replace your job. But you do need to make sure that you are someone who knows how to use AI. Correct. So, um, yeah. It's just mind blowing, actually. But I'm getting a
0: little off the path. So let me go back to Big B. So, what are some specific marketing methods you're using to really spread the values of Big B? I know I saw a lot on your website. And being in Kentucky, I didn't have the opportunity to visit a Big B coffee shop, though I have in the past and loved it. But what are some of those specific marketing methods that work best?
1: I think this is a great application for social media. Um, I think people look to social media to be a more organic and more authentic, I'll call it conversation, Mm -hmm. between a brand and a consumer. And I think what I love about social media is that it's not really owned by a brand. It's really a two way street. And so I think when you have a message that's about people um, and when you are really committed to culture, um, I think you welcome that two way conversation. And so we're working on social media and just making sure that we are balancing products and offers with brand storytelling and with conversations with our consumers um and so i think that's a that's a a great outlet for us mm-hmm. i think also okay. video would be the only other thing that i would say uh that we're really focused on i think that's a preferred method for people to get information but when you have a multifaceted story video just does a great job
0: I totally agree. But it seems the attention spans are so short with video that you have to get a lot in in a fast time. For sure. You, so, you are 100% right. I have seen that. But you know, your brand manifesto does a really good job in like three minutes. Quite impressive. So how do you align your franchisees to your marketing vision and tactics?
1: Um. I, first of all, I think we're always striving to do that better. Um, But we definitely have uh, a number of forums. And uh, when I say forum, I mean, uh, we have a franchise advisory council. um, And we have periodic meetings uh, with those leaders to really kind of vet and to have, um, you know, sometimes really tough discussions about what's working and what's not. And they are certainly our eyes and ears out into the public, but also, you know, out into the stores. And so that is a extremely valuable two-way conversation. We also have weekly town halls with the entire franchise community where we're able to give sort of sound bites, small updates, but on a frequent basis. And we uh, also have a number of different committees or task forces around key topics, uh, profitability, products, product innovation, that sort of thing that allows, again, our franchise owners to interact with us on things that are important to them.
0: You know, Michelle, you talked earlier about communication being so vital in working with franchisees, and you definitely, you all are walking the talk on that. Weekly town halls is a job. I mean, that is a lot. And it really demonstrates Big B's allegiance and truly desire to work with your franchisees and make sure they're up to date. So kudos to you on that one. Thank you. For sure. That is difficult. But communication is probably the most critical way. And having those committees, to your point, franchisees often have the very best ideas. And so listening to that can help the brand as well.
1: 100%.
0: So um, I dug into your FDD, which I like to do, a strange hobby of mine. And there were a few fascinating items regarding marketing. So I want to ask you just about a few, if you don't mind. Sure. So you have an advertising fund with a minimum contribution that that could go up to 3% of sales. And what I noted in the last FDD was that you listed the, the percentages you spent for production, media placement, merchandising, and administrative. So can you talk about maybe how that spending, does it stay consistent, and why you all share those exact percentages?
1: Um, it does not stay consistent. I think it depends a bit on what we feel like the most urgent needs are. So, for example, um, I think brand storytelling and you know that consistent message that we want to now be externally facing, you will probably see in 2023 and beyond that that allocation will go mm-hmm. up. Um, I think we also really believe in being transparent about what are working dollars versus non-working dollars. It's something we need to be cognizant of and sort of have the right ratio, but also that we want to be transparent about. And then I think the last one with administration, that's, again, really all about transparency. And I think as a brand, we work very hard to make sure that we're showing value to the franchisee. And, you know, as that goes up, hopefully you're seeing a commensurate increase in the revenue (laughs) because Mm -hmm. if if they're not, then then we have to check ourselves um, on how much we're spending on admin.
0: I have to say, Michelle, I've not read an FDD that has that listed in that way. So I was pretty impressed with that transparency. And I thought that's what you would probably say. Most folks do not lay out those percentages. So that was quite impressive. So how is that National Advertising Fund managed? The FTD talked about a franchisees included on a board. So how do you manage that fund?
1: Yep. Uh, so before the, the fiscal year starts, uh, we align the budget at a very detailed level, almost at a line item level with a board. And then we periodically uh, will provide updates as some things, of course, change throughout the year. Um, so we do provide transparency to the organization about how we're spending the money. Are we on track, off track? Have we reallocated? And when we have significant changes in allocation, we will go back to the board. And sometimes it's an email. Um, sometimes it's not a physical meeting, mm-hmm. but we're very transparent about how we've made changes. Um, and then we start the process again, of course, uh, leading into the, the new fiscal year
0: makes sense thank you for that so you also have that local advertising requirement do you have examples of any specific efforts that have been widely successful
1: um i think the two areas are in social media yes. uh and then also in community events um for social media i think the hybrid approach of some things being centralized and some things you know allowing the the, at the store level to really tell their stories and to connect. I think that's a, ideal. And we have some of our stores that do a fantastic job of reaching out, telling our story, again, beyond product and offers, and really engaging with their communities, either with nurses, uh, with schools, with teachers, um, with athletic programs. I mean, the store owners know their communities best, um, and I think they have done in many cases, a fantastic job of placing Big B, you know, as part of the fabric of the community. And then with, you know, some of the events, um, I think it's a similar theme. Um, there have been occasions where we have either sponsored um, a team, we have sponsored, um, been a lead sponsor at games. Um, I mean, there's numerous examples, but uh, where I think, you know, again, Big B shows up really, really positively in the community.
0: And another reason why franchising is such a great way to grow is because those local franchise owners do know the community and can make those connections. And I've heard many senior leaders talk about that. And you all are leveraging that for sure. So when it comes to digital marketing, which you've talked a little bit about, there are some restrictions in your FDD for your franchisees. How do you actually manage the digital marketing of your franchisees with your corporate vision?
1: Um. Well, primarily, what the local stores uh, what they engage in is social media, which mm-hmm. at this point is primarily through Facebook and some Instagram, but primarily through Facebook. And the way our uh, our brand is established on Meta, um, we have a lot of visibility into um, what the local stores are doing from a from a social media perspective. So we you know we have a parent and child relationship, um, and we are uh, very closely um, associated with that. So that gives us I would not say control necessarily, but a lot of visibility, mm-hmm. and so that's uh, you know that's very helpful. And there are other things that we are controlling centrally. Um, for example, our um, email database or our CRM is done centrally. Our loyalty program is managed centrally. Um, and of course, our website, you know, is also managed centrally. So I think that's that's sort of the balance that we're, we're creating.
0: Sounds like a great balance. So how do you measure the success of your marketing efforts? Are there any specific metrics you could share?
1: Something that we're going to start uh, measuring is brand metrics, which uh, like brand awareness, brand consideration, um, and sort of brand love metrics, which you don't get on a... Uh, frequent basis but we will start tracking sort of annually um this will be a baseline year for us and then we want to continue to see you know if we're making some some forward progress and then just on our marketing programs um especially the ones with digital components we look at every single post uh we look at every promotion and we we do a post program analysis yes uh, and compare uh our programming impact. And if we're not seeing impact, um, you know, sometimes things wear out, then we make adjustments um, to the next set of programs. So there's a little bit of, you know, we look very closely in the short term, and then there's a little bit that we're going to take a, a broader perspective on.
0: Sounds great. Sounds very thorough, I have to say. So when it comes to Big B, I have one last question there before I ask you my concluding questions. Do you have any exciting marketing innovations happening right now that you could share?
1: Um, I don't have the rabbit to pull out of the hat, <laughs> but we are not yes. Um, but I think our team is really excited about the branding work that we're doing. Um, and again, it's I, I would say we internally know who we are. I think the brand manifesto that you saw was yes. an example of that. Um, but we also know that we need to to then polish that up to share externally. Um, you know, especially to meet our growth expectations. And especially when we're entering markets uh, outside of Michigan, for example, where people don't know us as well. Mm-hmm. So we're really excited to be bringing in, um, you know, folks from the outside, working hand in hand with them and then creating something um, that we're going to really put a lot of emphasis behind. Uh, and so I think that's one of the things we're, you know, we're really looking forward to.
0: Well, you're on your way because everything I saw your your brand story and your brand culture definitely comes alive. So you are well on your way. So Michelle, in in asking these last two, I really want to ask about you. So you've had really a terrific career so far in all these marketing roles you've had. Now this senior role at Big B. What are you most proud of?
1: Um, you know it's hard to point to any particular role, because I think each role, um, I was just gifted with the opportunity to learn different things. But, but I think, um, many times it's, it's what you leave behind in terms of people. Mm -hmm. Um, so I'll just give you a specific, uh, when I was working at Starbucks, um, we, we decided to really build a CPG practice, uh, CPG business at Starbucks. And we started from a really small group of. I had six marketers on my team, um, and we had a sort of a fledgling business. It was it was about a half a million dollar business, and then over the next two years, we grew that to be a team of fifty seven people. Wow, we grew our revenue. Yes from about 500 million to over a billion in 2 years. Wow. And then that entire business went from, you know, let's call it 20 or 30 people to a team of 600 and wow. we tripled the value of the business. Um it was eventually sold to Nestle. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um because that's not a core business for Starbucks, but I'm really proud of I mean, some of those metrics, of course, um, yep. are are a proof point, but I'm really proud of the teams that we built, the capabilities, the process, um, and how we really brought the brand of Starbucks to life in CPG in a way that I think was really uh, consistent with the heart of Starbucks. Okay, that's incredible. That is incredible. Thank you for sharing that.
0: And uh, and congratulations. And my Thank last you. question is, you have really just joined this world of franchising is there anything you wish you had known before you started?
1: Ooh, wow that is a that is a great way to make me think. Um, I be- actually am gonna say weirdly, I'm going to say no because I have enjoyed the journey, and I am the first one to say, "Oh my gosh, I am not an expert," and uh, you know there are aha's for me every day. But I'm really appreciating almost the way of learning. I did not see franchising until now as this fantastic way to engage local business owners. I didn't appreciate that. You know, I just saw it as a way to have a lot of open stores. But there's something really magical about being part of the small business fabric of this country and to enable that. Um, it comes with certain challenges, but I just think it's such a noble pursuit. And I really appreciated the way I I learned that. And so that's my weird way of, you know, the reason for saying no.
0: Fantastic. <laughs> thank answer. you. And Michelle, thank you so much for spending some time with us and sharing all your marketing expertise and telling us about the great Big coffee brand. Thank you.
1: Thank you for the opportunity. Franchise U is brought to you by the Yum! Center for Global Franchise Excellence at the University of Louisville. For more information on the center, visit business.louisville.edu slash yum Thank you for listening
0: to Franchise U.